G'day guys and welcome to Nutrition Radio. In today's episode, I'm joined by my good mate and fellow nutritionist, Jason Munro, owner and operator of Munro Nutrition, formerly known as Munro Fitness. Now, Jason is in a great position to talk about the topic of today's podcast, which is choice architecture. Now, choice architecture is something that comes up everywhere in life, and you'll see that throughout this podcast, um, but it's also something can, that can be used very, very effectively for fat loss or muscle gain or any other physical goal you have, including performance. So if you fit into that category, definitely worth sticking around for this podcast, and if you stick around to the end, I'm going to sign this off with a little tip of my own. Until then, I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I'll see you on the other side. Jason, g'day, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so Jason is the owner and head coach and the head honcho over at Munro Fitness slash the Munro Method Nutrition now. Um, so you might have known him from my previous videos and stuff where he was Munro Fitness back then. It's now Munro Method and Nutrition. Rebranded. Um, yeah, rebranded. So Jason, do you want to just give everyone a quick little uh, once over of what you do and let's go over why you rebranded as well because I think that's yeah. important to what you do. Cool uh, so yeah I previously ran Munro Fitness I'm still running Munro Fitness it just has a different name as you can see over my left shoulder um, yeah Munro Fitness was essentially what I started off as on Instagram and how I built my following and I thought I was going to be helping a completely different uh, demographic of people than I ended up with. So I found myself in this niche of p- people that were more interested in working on their eating habits, improving their nutrition. Mm-hmm. I became a certified nutritionist and I've been wanting to do it for a while. And it just felt like it was the right time to move away from the whole, you know, take the word fitness out of it because it was actually off-putting to the type of people that I wanted to work with. Yeah. So now it's Monroe Method Nutrition, nutrition, which is my method that I've developed over the last three years, helping thousands of people improve their diet, basically. And, and when Jason says thousands of people, he's not even joking. I used to work with Jason and there are literally thousands of people in his group at any one time, um, all getting a really good level of service um, from Jason and his team of well, it's just the two of you now, right? Two coaches. It's Louise and I at the moment, yeah. And yep. Jane helps. Jane still helps out on a Monday when we're busy. No, no, yeah. Um, and yeah, so when he says thousands of people, he really means thousands of people. And real quick before we get into the choice architecture, do you want to give everyone just a quick rundown, a little bit of a plug for yourself? What is the Munro method? How do you describe it? Oh man, it's very, this is this is the part I struggle with actually communicating this because it's complex. Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, what is the Monroe method? It is taking people who are very confused about nutrition, who have probably been chewed up and spat out by the yo-yo diet industry more times than they care to remember. And what we do is take all of that, help them with it, reprogram them, give them real world knowledge that they can apply in the real world, not made up nonsense from whichever previous diets they've been following help them implement that whilst simultaneously helping them lose weight because most of our clients are weight loss clients. And the hope is that by the time they come to the end of their time with us, we've helped them achieve their goal and they have everything that they need to go on and be sex, su- successful. And Ella said sexful then, successful and sexful, if that's their thing, successful yeah. uh, without us or anyone else for that matter. So yeah, that's the the idea that we hopefully help people once so that they can get off this yo-yo diet cycle that they've been on for, in most cases, decades. Um, with the type of people that I work with, they're generally between 25 to 45 years old. So yeah, that's, that's what it is. Nice. And I think this is one of the reasons why I chose Jason to come on for the choice architecture topic um, is because the way Jason does things isn't just teaches you what a macro is and how to track it and then sends you on your way. It's about everything you need to change your lifestyle um, and change your habits pretty much permanently um, so that you can go on and take the things you learn with Jason and continue on. And, you know, as I said, choice architecture is one of those things. Um, Now choice architecture, if you're not entirely sure what that means and 
It is kind of a funny way of putting it, but that's like the technical term. Um, and choice architecture doesn't actually just, um, you know, come up in fitness and nutrition. It comes up in anything pretty much in your whole life. Like if you forget to take your Tupperware home from work every day and you've just got a pile sitting there, um, you know, in your work cupboard and all your colleagues getting annoyed, then you can probably implement some sort of choice architecture to help with that. Um, for example, you could leave like your car keys in the cupboard during the day when you think, oh, should I need to take all those containers home? Chuck your car keys in the cupboard. And then as you go to leave, you have to go get your car keys and therefore you can go get all your containers. Um, so that's a, a way to think about choice architecture. It's about making choices easier and almost a default option. Um, yeah. And the reason why that comes into fitness and nutrition is because a lot of people have set up their life and their choice architecture to make the option that doesn't support their goals um, the easier option. So Jason, I know you like to talk about keeping biscuits on the countertop near the kettle, so I'll let you run with this. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I loved everything that you said there because when you mentioned this topic, I started thinking about it and yeah, it is that we are the architects of our own choices. Like I could walk into someone or you and I could walk into someone's kitchen right now and you could probably tell a lot about them from the way that their kitchens are laid out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the choices that people make at the moment, the ones that they are perhaps trying to move away from, they are generally the easy options because it's not just that things are set up to make it an easy choice. They've also built habits around it as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the whole biscuits next to the kettle thing, you know, this is something that comes up quite a lot actually where people will say, oh, when I'm making a cup of tea, I'll have a cup of, a couple of biscuits while I'm waiting for the kettle to boil. And you say, well, where are the biscuits next to the kettle? Could you put them somewhere else? Um, and yeah, I've spoke about it quite a lot with the whole kitchen setup thing where we have this default routine. I mean, you probably have one as well, where you maybe get up to get a stretch your legs from the computer, you go to the kitchen and it's like, you have the first cupboard you go into, you have the next cupboard you go into, and then you have the fridge. Yeah. And then you do it again. You're like, yeah, what is it that I actually want just now? And it's <laughs> it's about trying to like disrupt that process. Um, and so, yeah, with my clients, I'll say, well, what to do is, you know, mess your kitchen up. You know, go to that cupboard. And it, when you go to that cupboard and you don't see the thing that you're normally meant to see, it's like a switch gets flipped. Like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore. And that's how you start to implement these small changes by mm -hmm. breaking the habit of doing that by making it less easy to, to make that choice. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's a great um, example of how to apply it to your nutrition is, you know, I think you've given the example before, I've heard you talk about it, where if you put your fruit bowl next to your kettle, you're probably not going to eat a piece of fruit while you wait for the kettle to boil. Yeah. Um, but if you were hungry and did choose to eat a piece of fruit, it's probably less calories and higher in nutrients than, you know, the biscuits would have been if you had left them there. Um, yeah. Because it's not about, you know, just taking away everything and just leaving, you know, the kitchen top just bare with just kettles and yeah. that's it. Because then you just go to wherever you put the biscuits anyway. Um, it's about not just removing your old choices, but putting something in there that's your new choice. And actually, you said something to me the other day. I'm going to let you um, say a nice little rhyme about not erasing Oh, the habits, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I've got it on my notepad on my phone because it's at the top of my list. Yeah, I, I put this on my phone the other day. Habits, replace, don't erase. Yeah. Um, and that actually came off the back of, um, I was doing some check-ins in the group and there was this kind of run of people saying that old habits crept back in. And it got me thinking like, you know, are you just trying not to do these old habits anymore? Therefore, leaving that gap open for them to come back in again when the conditions fall right for it. You know, or are you trying to replace them with something which can make it more difficult for old habits to come back in again? So yeah, erase, don't replace. That's one I'm going to coin very soon in some shape or form. Yeah, so um, replace, don't erase. It's ex exactly what I was just talking about. And it could be, could, as I said, apply to anything. If you normally find it really hard to get out of bed to your alarm in the morning, then moving your alarm away from yeah. the bed is a, good a, great, a great way to... Um, change that choice. You don't really have the choice to get out of bed. You have to get out yeah. of it to turn the alarm off and stop that annoying noise. Um, so it's not just about breaking down previous choice architecture um, that you've built over how many years of, of creating those habits, but also creating new choice architecture to replace and not erase. Yeah. Um, because if you just 
get rid of anything like it's the same as you know dieting and just getting rid of carbs you know yeah the reason that's a popular option is because it's easy right and um if all you did was get rid of carbs and didn't replace them with anything you would lose weight so yeah. it works and it's easy but then when you want to lose more weight and you've hit a plateau what do you do like you can't remove more carbs if you're not eating any carbs and um that's where the idea of replacing not erasing i think um really comes into it mm-hmm. and um you can do this with pretty much anything if you want to work out in the morning you can make it easier by you know leaving your workout gear out at night before you go to bed and yeah. putting it somewhere where it's easy to get to so you can wake up in the morning and it can be thoughtless you just wake up put your workout gear on go if you want to start drinking more water you can leave a bottle of water next to your bed so when you wake up in the morning you can drink however much is in that bottle or how much you want yeah um and so it's just yeah making this new choice architecture and the reason i wanted to talk about this is because i recently read an article um and i recently read it it wasn't a recent article um it's actually many years old now but um it's something that i think people they lose sight of these things when it comes to things like weight loss um they're looking for the new pill the new potion the new powder um oh three pieces yeah. i like that um they're looking for these new things that are going to help them lose weight faster when actually it's things like changing habits that are going to make the biggest difference. Um, and the article I read was actually about how Google tricked their employees into losing weight. Um, and this was kind of a, a known thing um, in the Silicon Valley that if you start working for Google, because they have all the perks such as free food and constantly available snacks and all that sort of thing, that um, most people would go there and put on 15 pounds of weight or you know, seven kilos if you are, you know, in the metric like metric. I am. Um, and it was a very common thing. And Google was trying to think of ways to get around that. They hired a bunch of nutritionists and dietitians. And I mean, that's just what it's in the article. They probably hired someone who knew what they were talking about and might not have been either of those things. Yeah. Um, but basically what they did was they changed the, the choice architecture. So, um, you know, the way it used to be was, kind of like walking into a cafeteria where you had everything you could want to eat available, ready to go as soon as you wanted it. Um, and even things like, you know, a big pick and mix wall where you could just go and grab whatever lollies or sweets or candies you wanted and you just go back to your desk and eat them. Um, and so what they did was things like um, taking away foods that are really calorific and that makes it sound like a good thing, calorific, but foods that are really palatable and um, calorie dense and they didn't get rid of them. They didn't, you know, completely erase them, but they put them in harder to see places. So it wasn't a big bright wall of candy and lollies and stuff. It was a um, opaque, so non-see-through container that contained whatever and just had a label on it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. the logo. It would just say written in someone's handwriting M&Ms or whatever. And they found that less people were um, going for that. And it was purely just down to, you know, taking away that big, bright, fancy, yeah, delicious looking wall. Yeah. yeah. And um, whether you're aware of it or not, you've probably been the victim of choice architecture from supermarkets and places like that. Um, yeah. If you look at the way supermarkets are laid out, they've got, you know, the brands they want you to buy, i.e. the brands they make the most money off, are usually at a normal person's head height. Um, for me, it's about my shoulder height. And <laughs> um, if you look at the stuff that they have for kids, like kids' ollies and kids' toys and stuff, they're usually on much lower shelves. And yeah. again, it's so that the kids' eye line. Yeah. And so choice architecture is something that is pretty well known about. And whether you know you're doing it or know you're being, um, you know, having it used on you, I guess is the way to put it. Um, yeah. You are, um, you know, you're seeing it everywhere every day. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was a really interesting topic to try and um, cover now. So, Jason, you've already talked about in the, the kitchen, you know, moving biscuits away. What are the big things you see, like, because you deal with obviously thousands of people, what are yeah. some big things you see with your clients and with people who are coming from, you know, that yo dining culture that tend to be, I mean, I guess, like common habits that they need to try and make changes to? 
I think a lot. I think one of the biggest things is trying to help people realize that they have more time than they realize, they, more time than they think. Um, often they'll believe that time is one of the biggest factors. And, you know, my job is to try and kind of break that down and help them realize that you probably have a lot more time than you think. So every now and again, we would, you know, I'll do a daily post in the group and say, today I want you to go into um, your, if you've got a Samsung device, go into settings, search for well-being and have a look at your screen time and shock yourself with the three hours spent on Facebook, the two hours spent on Instagram, the one hour spent on Candy Crush, like how much is that taken out of your day? Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest ones I think is definitely time. And then, you know, when people join and we'll do their starting stats and stuff, you know, we ask some kind of specific questions to draw the information out and find out, you know, what their barriers to change are. And yeah, time is often the one. And it's similar with um, activity level as well. You know, people... You know, look, me and you discussed this quite a lot that, you know, people go out and buy these big fancy watches to track the 2,000, 3,000 steps that they do in a day. And again, a lot of that comes down to them believing that they are super busy and don't have time. And, you know, with that one, we, we do the tech in the group. We did the steps in 10 minutes thing where we said, take your fancy tracker, start it, walk at a brisk pace for 10 minutes and report back on how many steps you did. And it was generally between like 11,000 and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when you broke it down like that and said, you know what, your 3,000 steps a day is the equivalent to you moving for about 30 minutes a day. And if you're sleeping for eight of those, that's 30 minutes out of your 16-hour day. And that works as a massive wake-up call. And all of a sudden, it makes the decision to go for a walk that much easier, not because... We've made the walking part more attractive. We've made it look realistic, you know, yeah. and we've kind of helped them snap out of this belief they had that they didn't have time for it. It's like, oh, I can actually do 1,200 steps in 10 minutes. I'm doing 3,000 a day. Maybe I am less active than I believe I am. Mm -hmm. Because this is, this is the big problem. You, you are dealing with people's perceptions of themselves all the time. You know, there's, if they had someone tracking, you're following them around with a notepad, then they could say, right, you spent 14 hours sitting today, um, 20 minutes standing up, and an hour lying down. But And then we add to that the eight hours you spent sleeping as well. But we don't. We only have our own perceptions of our own actions. Um, so, yeah, I would say that time is one of the biggest, and it is helping people set things up. So, yeah, you, you believe you don't have time because of the kids or because you have to do this. Where could we tidy things up elsewhere to give you more time? You know, if, if you wrote, wrote down everything that you did in a day and took a look at it, where could we borrow from to give to the thing that you want to do? Um, which is something I've had to do quite a lot with myself. You know, as, you know, the business has grown, I've found that you can't be as wasteful with time. Yeah. And there only are seven days in a week. So once you run out of days, you need to start finding more time within the days and that comes down to looking for these bits so yeah i would say that um time time is one of the biggest ones um and helping people find more of it or realize that they have more than they think and yeah. then that can help them make these these choices to do the things that they want to do yeah i find that um a lot of clients will say you know, I don't have time to do that hour and a half or whatever, probably less for most people of walking each day. Um, but when you break it down, as you said, you know, they're spending X amount of time in front of a screen, whether it be their phone or whatever. And, yeah. you know, it could be things like breaking that exercise up. So if we're just talking about, you know, getting enough steps in, which is just a general health thing, it's not about weight loss necessarily. Like yeah. if you're not getting, I think it's, well, actually, I know the um, data says 8,000 steps a day is the minimum yeah. you need for good health. And I mean, obviously, yeah. everyone's a little bit different. And for some people, it's going to be a bit more. Some people, it's going to be a bit less. But 8,000 mm -hmm. steps is pretty achievable in uh, in an hour, I reckon, maybe a bit over if you needed to. Mm -hmm. um, but again, not, you know, just bringing that, uh, that target down from 10,000 to 8,000 can make it a bit more achievable. Um, but also things like changing the way you consume media, like, I don't know, say, for example, you spend an hour each night watching the news, 
or maybe you can find a news podcast or a news yeah. radio show or something like that and you know consume that media while you're walking you know again yeah. that changing the way you consume something can lead to you know i guess sitting on the sitting on your couch with your headphones in listening to a podcast probably you could be doing something else like walking yeah. like if you're watching the tv obviously it's much harder to actually go out and do yeah. steps while you're watching it but in saying that you know it depends how committed you are one of my mates has got a uh, a treadmill because he spends you know 10 hours a day working but he wanted to get the steps in so he's got this tiny slim little treadmill thing um and he just puts it under his desk and walks at his desk yeah <laughs> i've, seen, I've seen the um I've seen the exercise bike version and it yeah. has the lap, it has the laptop table built onto it. So you can sit there and pedal away and, and work exactly. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was thinking about, you know, when you were talking then, I was thinking about people that read a lot of books or enjoy reading books. That is obviously something you have to sit down to do. But then mm-hmm. I remembered I saw someone that commutes to work each day walking along the road reading a book. <laughs> Imagine doing anything other than walking. Imagine like yeah. riding a bike driving a car to be crazy um, <laughs> but again even then like if you're a reader there's audiobooks you know, exactly there's, yeah. there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just fiction stories that is just someone you know making them up and telling them to you or whatever it is you're into so there might be other ways you know you can change things that you like to do um, mm-hmm. a little bit so that they support your goals a bit more mm-hmm. um, there's other ways and most people have probably heard about this type of nutrition-based choice architecture um, where it's just changing the size of your plate. Now, yeah. it's long been known that, um, you know, a smaller plate can lead to smaller portion sizes and not just because if you try and put the same amount on, it will fall off. Um, it's about how much food it looks like on the plate. You know, you, when you go to those fancy restaurants and they give you this massive plate and there's a tiny little bit of food in the middle, it would probably look pretty different if they gave you like a bread and butter plate with that same amount of food on it. Um, so that is another example of choice architecture. Having a bigger plate can lead to more food consumption. And yeah. um, I'm not saying, you know, throw out all your dishes and go buy new plates, but it's just something to think about, you know, you don't have to have the small plate, but knowing that because you have big plates, you might choose to have bigger portions and just aiming to have less on your plate rather than you know, buying a whole new dinner set. Yeah. Um, other things they did was they... Um, unintentionally increased water consumption um, for their employees. So they did this essentially because people had the same level of, of thirst, but they removed the fridges that were at the end of each bank of desks. So they used to have fridges that had, you know, they had bottled water in it, but they also had bottles of Coke and whatever drinks they liked. And what they did is they removed them and they got those, you've probably seen it at the, like fancy pubs, you know, back when we used to be able to go to pubs, um, whereas like the big, see-through glass jar full of water and it's got like lemon oh, fruit and stuff in it fruit and stuff in it yeah so yeah. they replaced it with those um and had cups there ready to go and everyone was you know pretty much out of just laziness <laughs> didn't want to walk to where they moved the um soft drink to so instead of walking to the cafeteria to go get a coke or whatever they just walk again to the end of their desks and they have water instead mm-hmm. um and straight away there they ended up they found that that was probably the biggest area because not only did they used to have um, just drinks in the fridge, they also had, you know, chocolate bars or whatever in there as well. So people were just going to get, you know, they were thirsty, they wanted to drink. Oh, while I'm here, I'll grab a Mars bar. And then all of a sudden they've packed in 200, 300, 400 calories just because they were thirsty. Um, So again, coming down to that choice architecture. Um, Another thing they did was, they moved coffee machines um, and they didn't move them further away. They actually moved them um, closer, but further away from where they used to have, you know, a big standard baked goods and croissants and, I don't know, other baked goods. I really eat them. Um, donuts. I'm guessing there were donuts there because it's America. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so they found that making these small changes, like they didn't say to anyone, hey, everyone's put on weight. We need everyone to lose it. They just made these small changes that inadvertently got everybody to lose a bit of weight. Um, And the article said they tricked them into it, but um, they probably didn't uh, intentionally trick them into it. They just changed again, their choice architecture and made it 
Yeah. But it's convenient to make a choice that wasn't in line with everybody's goals. Um, yeah, they, did, they, didn't, they didn't necessarily trick them into losing weight. They tricked them into consuming less calories. And yeah. the obvious outcome of that was a steady decline in weight. Exactly. And you can use this for yourself. Like you don't have to have a massive glass jar with fruit and whatever in it, um, wherever you're working at home, probably for most people at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it can just be something as simple as having a large drink bottle. You know, a large yeah. drink bottle means that least. Yeah. It means that I finish it less often. So when I'm thirsty, I just grab it and drink it. I don't have to get up and go fill it up. Um, you know, if I had a small one, getting up to go fill it up might mean that I go past a vending machine or choose something else because I got up already. Um, so having a big drink bottle can be a good one. You can get drink bottles, not like this. Like I just use these because I buy them anyway and I don't want to just throw out plastic straight away. Um, but you can get the drink bottles that have like the fruit filter thing in the middle and it's like a... It's like an, inf- uh, an infuser. infuser. Yeah. yeah. I was going to call it a glorified tea bag, but it's an infuser. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you put all your fruit in there and it's very much the same. Um, and most workplaces will provide you with cold water as well. So um, if you worry... Yeah, about- I think they're usually bound by a law to provide you with available drinking water aren't they? yeah yeah and you trust me you don't want to be going to the toilet and just drinking from the tap in there yeah um or the toilet yeah <laughs> or the toilet <laughs> it's wet my beard for sure um another thing they did was um they made everybody just aware of um how little activity they were doing so like you mentioned before they got everybody activity trackers um and it wasn't a fancy Fitbit or whatever, although Google now owns Fitbit, but um, I think back then it was just like a normal pedometer, which I think they will probably all have Fitbits now, won't they? Now they will. This, I mean, like I said, this this article was pretty old. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they just got them a way to track some activity, and mm. everybody noticed how little they were doing, um, and they had the option. They weren't just given like a walking desk or whatever, um, but mm-hmm. they were given the option of a treadmill desk if they liked it. Um, it wasn't like their own personal one. I believe it was like treadmill desk stations where you could log out of your computer and log on at a treadmill desk. Um, so again, you weren't forced to use it all the time if you decided one day you wanted to use it. Yeah. Um, but just things like that um, were just some choice architecture things that uh, Google used. And I think mm-hmm. the reason why I found this so interesting was that Google's not a fitness or nutrition company i mean they're trying to be now but especially when this was done um they definitely weren't you know up there with the cutting edge of fitness or nutrition however they did manage to do something that was very easy took very little thought for the people actually losing the weight and um was very unintrusive uh, into people's daily lives and i think that is where we can you know take some lessons from you know, this tech giant who accidentally got most of their employees to lose 15 pounds. Um, you know, and I'm guessing that was on average. I doubt everybody yeah. lost exactly 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as you can see, these small changes that could be seemingly insignificant to you might make a big difference. Um, what are some examples, Jason, ones that you could implement fairly easy without having to purchase anything that you could just change um, in your life right now? In my life right now? Oh, good question. I think with activity, leaving the house with the car less frequently mm-hmm. is a big one. I, I don't know why I keep coming back to activity. I feel like activity is one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that I deal with at the moment is trying to get people to move, to move more or to choose to move more at least. Um, and yeah, I, do you know what? Actually, it reminds me, I did do a thing on my story not too long ago. Uh, on Instagram and I said I put up a poll and said oh no I think it was maybe a slider that I put up and it was like never rarely to all of the time and asked people how often do you leave your house on foot like without taking the car and I was amazed that like it was very much heavily balanced towards like almost never you know people walk from the front door to the car and the car to wherever they're going and you know that simple decision of I think I had spoke about it and said, you could perhaps have a list of places that you go frequently and you could say, do you know what? When I have to go there, that's not a car thing. That's a walking thing. Yep. So that shop, that shop is 
10 minutes away or 15 minutes away. So that's not a car thing anymore. That's a walking thing. Or if I have to go, you know, if it's a school run or the nursery run or childcare, whatever, if it's possible, you know, could I take the car? Could I not take the car there? Could I walk there? Yeah. Or, ex- or extending. The other one with activity as well is extending things that you're already doing. So if you want to increase your activity level, so, you know, if I'm doing the school run, it's like 20 minutes walk there, 20 minutes walk back. I could easily, on the way back at least, without, you know, a six-year-old in tow, mm-hmm. on the, or on the way there to pick them up, I could say I'm going to leave 10 minutes early or I'm going to add 10 minutes onto the route. And then you have, you know, you've incorporated 20 minutes of walking into something that you were already going to do anyway. And that, you know, ties in well with the whole not being obtrusive. It's not a case of, oh, you know, I have to get dressed and go out for a walk. You are just adding on to something that you are already, you know, doing anyway. Exactly. Um, If you're someone who doesn't have a car, like, so for me, for example, um, for me, it's always public transport or walking. Um, And it's very easy, especially where I live, to just go with public transport. Um, Yeah it's everywhere it's always quicker um so i have my own little rule that if it's less than an hour's walk i'm going to walk it um obviously unless like i'm in a rush or something then i'm obviously not going to be late but for the most part if i can do it within an hour um i'll walk it and i'll make the time in my day to do that um i also have like if i am going to get public transport because it's further an hour away for example or if i was in a bit of a rush i'll walk a couple of stops not just get on at the one closest to me yeah um and get on a bit later or likewise coming back i'll get off a bit later um a few stops away and it's just a little way to um you know give myself little targets to hit um so for me for example we're in proper lockdown here so my target is eight thousand steps a day and i've got a dog so it's not too hard to hit but every now and then like if the dog's tired or doesn't want to walk that often um i might have to add like a little bit of a route to a dog walk um because we've done one less a day or whatever and it's just knowing like right i know that this walk will take me roughly this long or this amount of steps and i can increase it by turning down this street and going around a different block or Mm -hmm. whatever the case is so it takes a little bit of um, initial like figuring out the first time you do it it might not be exactly how you wanted it but as you get used to it, and you should get used to it, because as I said, you know, activity is just good for your health. Um, it'll yeah. get easier. And when I say it'll get easier, it might actually even get quicker. Um, and you might be able to go a little further or a few extra steps um, for the same amount of time and fit in a little bit, again, more activity in, in the same amount of time without being intrusive. Um, yeah. And I think you said before, you don't know why you always come back to activity, but... I think it is the most important thing. And it's also one of the most overlooked things. Like when people want to lose weight, they don't go, oh, I just need to walk some more. <laughs> you know, they're like, I need to join a gym or I need to do a diet or whatever. Yeah. And I think apart from it being good for your health, it's also just a very easy um, option for just increasing your calorie burn and therefore weight loss. Like if yeah. you can just walk some more, it takes no recovery so you can do it again the next day you're not going to end up sore um unless you have like arthritis or something but um yeah if you're fitting healthy enough to do so you should be able to repeat that effort as often as you like without needing to recover um and yeah it can be a a really good and easy option um but it's often not the first one that people will go to i think um i think an important thing to remember is we live in a world that is constantly trying to make our life easier so that means that you know the easier life gets the less that we have to do and you know with you saying about public transport how readily available it is with you living in a big city um you know not just that there are many other things like supermarkets now delivering food to your front door those have completely taken off in the past year because of lockdown and i know many people you know many people won't go back to the supermarket again yeah. Who, someone was talking about it recently i think it was dr mike actually was talking about it recently on a an Instagram live with someone saying that you know he now realizes how convenient and easy it is to have shopping delivered so he might step foot in a supermarket less frequently I know that some of my supermarkets are huge and I'm walking around them I mean that's a huge part of activity for something that you do a few times a week 
Yeah. And you know, it's again, it's something coming direct to your door and just one more reason for you not to go anywhere. And I think that over this last year, we have lived in a world where there have been a number of opportunities popping up and more and more is getting brought to you. You're not having to go to it. And I think that has played a large part in people gaining weight over the last year or one of many reasons that, that people have gained weight. Yeah, I mean, weight gain over the last year is pretty um, common, I think, because most people are less active because they've been in some form of lockdown. Um, yeah. And most people have been um, doing less exercise, like intentional exercise as well, because even if you have all the best intentions, for a lot of people, they end up not enjoying working out at home. Um, yeah. And it can be as simple as the same reason most people have not enjoyed working from home. Yeah. Like it's good to get out of the same four walls that you spend the rest of your life in and do yeah. different things. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, if for the, someone who's gained a little bit of weight over lockdown might be a good idea rather than go, oh, I'll go straight back to the gym or I'll go straight back to, you know, whatever. Um, Look a little closer at home. Yeah. And you see, know. You know, see what, what changes you can make there first before having to dive into something else that you believe you have to dive into. Exactly. Um, other things like um, having, so I don't ever recommend for anyone to not have certain foods in their house, um, especially if their foods are like tricky. There's some people who, you know, every, like there's certain foods to them that are like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. And they will have to pretty much remove that from the house but yeah. if that's not a trigger for you if it's not a food that does that for you then i recommend having it there because having it there and having the ability to make the choice to have some chocolate or a few biscuits or whatever is great for your relationship with food and your understanding that none of these foods are off limits um it's just about controlling the quantity that you can see them in and that yeah. quantity can pretty much just be as much or as little as you want depending on what your goals are um and that's what i think is really great about what you do with the mono method is just you know, getting that education in so that people know yeah yeah you've you've just touched on something that i've remembered just in the past week someone posted to the group um she was having trouble with uh, lotus biscoff spread mm -hmm. you know she was going to the supermarket buying the full big jar with the best intentions and before you know it you know, the fingers at the bottom of the jar, scraping it clean. And that, you know, that was, fingers. yeah, it was a pitfall for her. <laughs> so um, I suggested, you know, can you, I, I know that they do little individual portion size ones. And here is another thing as well. So she posted to the group and says, I have the, she went, I went on eBay or Amazon and she bought the little portioned out ones. They cost her seven quid, which was like double what a full jar costs a lot more. And you might think that that's expensive. And, you know, I said something else recently, but it's not expensive because it's an investment. You know, I look at that as an investment mm -hmm. in your health in your ability to not only work towards the goal that you're working towards, which for her is weight loss, but in the long term as well. You know, is it is it is it cheaper having a three quid jar or four quid jar of this spread with thousands of calories that, you know, you will get to the bottom of within mm -hmm. a week? Is that more expensive than having the seven pound six or 12 maybe i think it was portions that she's not even thinking about anymore yeah she's had one so far and they've been lying in the cupboard um and yeah with, with the whole thing in the kitchen as well that when we do, when we talk about it in the group or when people say that they're having a struggle with a certain food I, and what i kind of touched on at the start is disrupting that automatic process you know that putting the kettle on and going to that cupboard where everything is or do you know what I'm at, there's something I'm going to have to implement in my kitchen because we have I've had because of what weather's been getting a bit warmer I wasn't keeping on top of my hydration so I was getting sore heads a bit more so I was going into the cupboard where the medication is and there is also the tub of Haribo's <laughs> chocolates whatever else so it's like two paracetamol handful of Haribo's off you go <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm going to have to move that now because it's just right in your face when you open the cupboard but it's about disrupting that automatic thought process because when you open something and you see that it's not there that's when you go that's right and, and it takes away that you know when, when you are trying to achieve something 
it's like you you think that your brain has to be constantly focused on it all the time because the minute you stop thinking about it you forget and then you do the thing that you're trying not to do and you know doing these little things to to snap you back to reality and say well that's not there anymore i remember why it's not there it's because of this um and the other thing when you were talking about you know removing stuff where we have we're lucky to have a, a garage attached to the new house so you know like at easter time just past the kids easter eggs are all out on a shelf in the garage mm-hmm. out of sight out of mind and you know if we get to the point where the, the bit of chocolate that's in the house runs out then we have an easter egg out there and it's just about creating these barriers and yeah. even simple things like putting things in jars and tins and you know, people, when I said, we said earlier about people having biscuits on worktops, you know, and then you open a cupboard and the packet's standing stacked up, you know, it's like how many more barriers can you create to make it difficult for you or to hope that it gets triggered that you've not, you're trying not to do that yeah. anymore. So you take it out the easy cupboard and you put it in a tin and then you put it high up to the point where you have to get a chair to stand on it to get it. Yeah. And it's just about making that kind of more difficult. Some ones that I really like is... Buying the like the kid size or the fun size or the individually packaged size um, of anything. So yeah. if you look at like a pack of chips, for example, and then mm-hmm. trying to if it probably like a pack of chips. When I say that, is probably it's no longer the one that's like um, the size of like a birthday card. And that was like when I was growing up. That's what everyone ate. Now people want a pack of chips. They have you know the two hundred fifty gram bag of Doritos or whatever, and it's the size yeah. of an A4 book. Yeah. Um, so how many tiny packs of individually kid-sized packs would you have to eat? Probably like 10 to get the same amount as you would in one big bag. Maybe yeah. even more. I haven't looked into it. but And every time you have to go back to the cupboard to get another bag and open it again, it's another little reminder just to say, hey, yeah, you, know, you just finished that one. Maybe now is a good time to stop. And yeah. you, know, you might be like, no, I'll have another one. But it's another one, not another ten, and you know you give yourself each time you have to go back to the cupboard to get another one. One, it's a little bit of effort to, to mm-hmm. go and do it, um, so you're less likely to do it. But two, it's a little reminder each time. Like imagine yeah. if you want to eat a pack of chips, but you had to unwrap every single one. Yeah, <laughs> what a boring. Yeah, that, I mean that that opening of the packet is almost a bit of a reset in itself. Like. I've just done this, you know, I sh- should I be doing this again and again compared yeah. to the big multi, you know, the big sharing bag where it's like, yeah. once it's open, it's open. Yeah. Same and with, don't... same with getting chocolate or something like you can get the big bar of Cadbury or you can yeah. get the little, essentially what are individually wrapped rows of the yeah. same thing. And each time you go back again, it's a little, you know, one, you've just finished one. So you've got like the sensation that you've completed it. But then you've also got, oh, now I'm going back and getting another one and I'm opening it again. And, you know, every time you do that. So another way you can do that if you, for whatever reason, like, you know, it, it is not as cheap to buy the individually bagged or individually wrapped items is you can individually do that yourself. Like you can get your shopping home and get out a packet of Ziploc bags and then, you know, portion out all your chips or yeah. portion out all your chocolate or whatever it is. If you really struggle with it, like I've had clients put chocolate in the freezer. So not only do they have to go and get an individual bag of it, then they have to wait for it to defrost to be able to eat it. And yeah. just all these little things, all these barriers that you can put in between you and the behavior you're trying to change. Yeah. Uh, huge ones. Um, yeah. Even Freezing at, things is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even look at, um, you know, the medication that people give to alcoholics for example like it doesn't stop them from drinking but it makes drinking less enjoyable you know yeah makes less them appealing sick, makes yeah. them sick right yeah. um so if every time you have if every time you want to have a drink you're going to get sick you know it's not to the same extent but if every time you want a piece of chocolate you have to go to the freezer and then unwrap it and defrost it it's going to get to the point where you know it's easier just to grab that apple that's now out on the side or yeah whatever you've replaced you've made me think of that stuff that you get i remember my mum getting it for to try and get us to stop biting our nails it was like a clear nail polish and it tasted awful like pure chemical and you bit your nail you're like oh not again yeah yeah if you're the if you're the type of person who hates coriander put coriander in with your chocolate (laughs) yeah i hate coriander that's a good one 
just finding those little things and they're going to be individual everyone so we've given a few examples on here but um you know not everyone is going to be right for every person which is why we've given a, a bunch of them yeah. um but it's just trying to identify your current choice architecture and things that you could change mm -hmm. and then um making changes and again don't erase uh oh, replace remember. replace don't erase you have yeah. to say it with your accent if you, i say erase it doesn't work <laughs> replace don't erase so if you take yeah. something away put something there instead of it like if you have like a cupboard you go to and that's where you normally go to to get your biscuits or chocolate or whatever and you move it to another cupboard put something else something there else because there. if you go there yeah. and it's just empty then you're gonna be like oh yeah i moved it over here and you just go yeah. to the new cupboard <laughs> yeah exactly stop going to the first one if you put something mm -hmm. else there then you're potentially likely to go for that something else instead yeah. um so yeah, do you have anything you would like to add as far as choice architecture, Jace? Yes, I yeah, I've been thinking of a few things when you were talking. Then um, yeah, a couple problem. of things. I, I would like, I would like people to try and make a game of noticing choice architecture when they go out. So here, here's one that I did. I, I did a story when I was in Greg's one time when you were allowed to go into a Greg's. But here's one about the way that Greg's sell to you and serve you. So you go into Greg's and you ask for. You know, like I would get a hot roll and a coffee. Mm -hmm. and, I and they would say, is that everything? And you say, yes. Now, rather than take your payment there and then, they go away and mess around because you are then stood at these big glass cabinets with biscuits, donuts, cake, whatever it is, this is all in front of you. And they are giving you that little bit extra time for you to stand there while you're waiting on them doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm to look and look and look. And when they come back, they'll ask you again, is that everything? And you go, I'll just have a vegan sausage roll. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just give me one of those um, yeah. cream donuts, please. And then add it on, you know, and that's, that's a choice architecture thing. Much mm -hmm. in the same way as when you go to the supermarkets, the confectionery is all lined up at the till so yep. that you just grab one and put it up, you know, it's just to make it easy. Yep. You know why? It's, it's such a strange thing that of all the things they could put at a till in a shop, it's just all bars of chocolate. They know that they're appealing. You're likely, people eat stuff on the way home from the supermarkets so often. It's such a common thing. Once you know, once you are aware of it, when you're driving into a supermarket, look at everyone driving out the way going past you. Their jaws are normally going because they're eating something they've picked up. Yeah. Um, what was the last one? The last one was uh, I used to work with a guy. His wife was a manager of a clothes shop. And he would always, he would often, he and I would talk about, without realizing it, we were talking about choice architecture. And he was saying that, you know, when you walk into the shop and they have these big tables, like right at the front door, and they have like a bunch of t-shirts or shirts or something on it. Those are the ones that they are putting right in front of your face because they're probably going to make the most profit on it. Mm -hmm. So here is this big table of t-shirts. They are two for 30 bucks they want you to buy them because they're right in your face. And that's, again, another example of them trying to manage your choices for you, much in the way that you mentioned about the supermarkets, which was a good one with the stuff that's at kids' height. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to the magazine section, which is an excellent example, all the, I'm not going to say adult magazines because I don't mean adult <laughs> magazines, but, um, you know, the ones aimed at people that aren't children, yeah, the kids ones are all on the bottom row, so they can pick it up and go, "Oh, mom, can I get this?" You know, CBeebies magazine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, make a game of trying to notice choice architecture when you are out and about, and the supermarkets as well. The other one is the ends of the rows is where yeah. they put the special offers. Like it's it's not just special offers; it's where they're going to make a lot of money from it. Like, yeah. you know, this week we have this on special because we have gone and bought six hundred million of them at a really good price yep. and we are putting them on special and they are at the end of the row so that when you do walk down that row and have that split in the middle it's in your face and you have to look at it yeah, even so. with supermarkets even things like where stuff is laid out for as far as like full sections like in australia it's really big to have your bakery and your fruit and veg section right as you walk in because mm -hmm. i mean Woolworths calls themselves the fresh food people and they yeah. want you to walk in and see fresh food. Like barely ever you actually go into it. But then the thing that people actually want to get, say like I think of milk, 
it's right at the back of the store. So you have to come in and then go all the way past everything to get to the milk. Yeah. So it's everywhere. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really good game, not just because you'll see, you know, where choice extra uh, choice architecture is um, everywhere in your life, but also it might make you a little less um, of a, like a victim to it. Like you might be a little less susceptible to yeah. the choice architecture that people are putting in um, to try and dupe you into buying extra things. Yeah, or... you're, you're, you're essentially being manipulated by, you know, these shops to, to yeah. influence the decisions that you make by, you know, buying things that are going to be most profitable to them in most cases. Yeah, so if you see some choice architecture and you're starting to notice it um, or you start to notice that it's now everywhere because we made you aware of it, tag us on Instagram. Like, yeah. do, you, do you want to give everyone a bit of a plug of uh, where they can find you, Jase? Yeah, I am at Munro underscore nutrition. It was fitness, but not anymore. Um, or MunroMethod.com. Mm-hmm. And on if you want to tag me as well, it's nutrition underscore because some acid took without the underscore. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thanks very much, Jace, for coming along. And you will, everyone will definitely hear from you again soon because I have no other friends. <laughs> thank you for having me again no cheers all righty guys well as promised i'm going to give you my final tip before i sign this podcast off and my final tip is actually quite an easy one essentially it is don't hide from choice architecture because it's everywhere and it can be easy to think about it as a negative and try and avoid it wherever you can but you can actually use it to your benefit even if people are trying to use it to your detriment for example if you find that going to the shop is just an exercise in choice architecture you can design your choice architecture to benefit you some people say to shop the perimeter depending on the type of store you're in that could be right for you it could be wrong for you i know in many of the stores in the uk the bakery aisle is definitely on the perimeter however You might be able to find um, certain aisles of the store that you like to avoid um, or certain uh, places in the store that you like to start or finish your shop, um, which help you make choices that are more in line with your goals. So that's my last tip. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, If you did, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media um, or you can comment directly on the podcast. I don't know how to review those comments, but feel free. Um, Until next time, I've been Nick, this has been Nick Trition Radio, and I'll talk to you guys on the next one.